As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. This episode is presented by BetMGM the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at betmgm.com using the promo code 1%BETTER. Hey, welcome back. I'm Stephen Holder. I'm here with Zach Kiefer, and this is another episode of 1% Better. And so we have, I guess, good news for you. The Colts, they won. And how about this? The Colts, they're 500. When's the last time we've been able to say that? Really, since opening day. (laughs) So, uh they are they're back even. Uh, they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars twenty three seventeen on Sunday. I, I look, it's it's great when you win, but uh, I don't want to think about the alternative, <laughs> which oh, was yeah, losing to the Jaguars again because they do that. Uh, but anyhow, th- this is I, I think what we expected. I think the last couple of weeks have gone the way we expected, at least in terms of results. We expected them to beat the Jets, and the Jaguars. They've done that, and now Zach. It's all there for them, sort of. Yeah. Um, well, look, opportunity, right? You want to be, you want to have an opportunity to be in the show. They have an opportunity, and it depends on them. But I think these next two games will really tell us way more about this team than anything we've learned the last two weeks. And just how do you see it shaping up? I'm ready. I'm tired yeah. of the Jets. I'm tired of Jacksonville. Let's go. You know, Frank Reich had an interesting comment yesterday. He said basically. You know, I kind of asked him, I was like, look, are, are you ready to see what this team's really about? And you put yourself back in position. You climbed back up that mountain that you dug yourself a hole out of or whatever the metaphor is. And he said, look, why can't it be us? Why can't it be us? Why can't it be the Indianapolis Colts that gets hot late in the season and makes a run? He said that nobody has really separated themselves in the AFC. I tend to disagree. I don't think Frank knew the Tennessee result yesterday, but I'm looking at the standings right now. Titans are 8-2. and two. They are 8-2, and two, and they are absolutely the front runners in the AFC South. That division's all but wrapped up. But then there's a big clump of teams, and the Colts are in there. So like you said, they've given themselves a chance. This is going to be really fun to see how they match up in Buffalo, the site of where their, their season ended last year. And then they come home to host Tampa Bay in two weeks, a couple days after Thanksgiving. So, you know, I think our Kravitz, Bob Kravitz, our colleague Bob Kravitz, you know, said it best. This is the playoffs. It starts on mm-hmm. Sunday. And we're going to find out if they can do what they have not done all year 
and that's finally close out a good team. We'll see if they give themselves a chance, but I think they could beat Buffalo. No, they're capable of winning. And that's not based on the second half yesterday. (laughs) No, they're capable of winning. I think literally any game. I I don't. There's nobody the Colts can't beat. I, I just don't know that they will, but they can. I mean, they they have talent that's comparable with a lot of these teams we're talking about, right? So, and they have a quarterback who can make some plays, even though that was tough yesterday. So, look, I mean, it, look, it is what it is. I mean, we will see. That's why we play the games. That's why we watch them. And that's, uh, I think, going to ultimately tell us more about them, as I said, than anything else we've learned lately. Now, Look, they're not going to get a medal for what they did yesterday, okay? That's not the point. You probably were underwhelmed in a lot of ways as a fan watching that game. I think that's okay. But I also think what they did, in my estimation, was I don't think it was a cardinal sin. I think you, no. have, to, you have to look at this thing in context. Now, uh, look, the Jaguars have an inept offense, okay? That was abysmal, okay? However... Their their defense, I think, has proven itself as as a factor in this league, and this isn't new. The Jaguars have always kind of been a factor. Have, have always kind of had a, a basis of talent on defense. It's not what it used to be, but they have built something on that defensive side, at least up front. And and it was they gave the hell Colt. They gave the Colts hell yesterday. Uh, I thought the offensive line, the Colts' offensive line, got off to a ridiculous start. I mean unfathomable i mean the lanes that jonathan taylor had in the first quarter that was just that was unbelievable you're talking about 465 wide holes out there and i don't really think there were a whole lot of adjustments i just think the jaguars bowed their necks and yeah they manned up man they really did man up and and i gotta tell you i mean they made it really tough and that the offensive line took a step back in the second half and the pressure was consistent and lots of blitzes. The Colts didn't react well to those. But anyhow, I think what you saw there was the defense that last week limited the Buffalo Bills to six points. Okay. I don't think the Buffalo Bills have trouble scoring. Okay. Generally. So there's something going on there. There's something to that. And, um, you know, again, I think take it for what it is. Understand what you saw. But look, they found a way to get it done. And, and, and they are where they are. So, um, the one thing I would say that that does bother me is uh, Carson Wentz and some of these risky plays. Okay, listen, he was under immense pressure yesterday. I don't think that that wasn't his fault. I mean, p- people were on at least on Twitter, which I know is terrible to gauge by, but uh, you know, we, I got some comments about his performance. I don't think his performance was was bad. I think he just didn't have an opportunity to really function. However, dude, when the play breaks down, let it go. He can't. He's, he's never going to change. He's never going to he change. He can't, man. It's like it's like watching a heart attack happen in real life. It's like Yep. How many how, is every game there's one or two of those plays? And then I asked him about it after the game like is Frank okay with you doing that? And he's like, "Yeah, as long as I'm smart." And and he tried to defend it by saying like, "Look, no one was around Jonathan Taylor when I threw him that left-handed shovel pass that went 15 yards impressive distance really for a left-handed throw like right that. because you know uh, he said no one was around him but like you know because of course you have lots of control when you throw left-handed right so. <laughs> i just feel like you're playing with fire you're yeah. just playing with fire and it's too risky and he's been pretty smart most of the season but there have been these hiccups that that just come out of nowhere and 
it's it's going to cost you in a game against the Bills or the Bucks. It's just going to, and it cost you against the Titans earlier this season. I don't know. I don't know where the fans feel about it. I don't think the risk is worth the payoff. Like I don't think three yards to Jonathan Taylor on you know third and three. I don't think it's worth it when half of those are going to get intercepted or end up like a fumble like they did in San Francisco. So, mm-hmm. man, he's it's it's a little bit like Andrew Luck, but Andrew Luck always was good enough to overcome those bonehead mistakes. So far, Carson really hasn't proven that. I don't think he won the game yesterday for them. I think it was more of he was there and maybe his maybe his mind was off. I think he's having a baby today, this morning. If so, congrats to Carson and his wife. Yeah. But it certainly was not his best performance as a Colt yesterday. Yeah. And I, I do want to balance that the criticism, which is deserved, okay, by saying he did the one thing he did do, you say he didn't win the game and he didn't, but But he the, made that throw. You're right. Yeah. I don't want to omit I that. I want to give him credit for that because I, I think Oftentimes, what gets highlighted with Carson Wentz, deservedly, is the play like he had against Tennessee, right? Which is, in crunch time, here's an opportunity to make something happen, and you you throw a, an interception with your left hand for a touchdown, <laughs> which <laughs> I didn't think was ever possible. Just but like anyway, saying it out loud is amazing. It's I can't like... say it without laughing. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. So anyway, that really happened. That play will will be on his tombstone, okay? And I don't feel sorry for him, dude. You actually did that. However, I think what you saw yesterday when he, he gets flushed out of the pocket again for the umpteenth time, he rolls to his right, he eludes a rusher, and he hits Michael Pittman on the run with a strike that really, the ball couldn't have been placed anywhere else and been completed. Okay? He threw the ball in the only spot it could have been thrown, which is basically at the sideline right at the right at the the edge of the sideline and Pittman catches it with great footwork and getting the, the two feet down taps both feet uh, and gets a huge first down uh, to get them in field goal range because you know if you have to to punt there from a much different field position if you have to end up punting there uh, you're giving Jacksonville the ball back now they're taking a different approach on that final drive they're not thinking touchdown they're thinking okay we want the touchdown but we're going to play for the field goal to be safe here. I mean, that's you would think, or at least they at least maybe are a little less aggressive, and maybe you don't get the opportunity to get that sack fumble and end the game. You know, so I, I know lots of ifs and and maybes in there, but but that's football. That's how it works, and I think it's all about situations. And the situation was different because they were able to get those three points. You'd like to see them get seven and end the game, but uh, again, pretty tough defense that we're facing there. So I, I think. I don't know that there's any shame in that, but but again, uh, give him credit for that. I just think if he could just balance that out by just not doing those really risky things that that didn't cost them yesterday. But again, the stakes are high when you when you make those kinds of plays, and you're just you're asking for trouble. So come on, Carson, get it together. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about. I think there's something interesting in this game, and this is quarterback related. I want your thoughts on this. I thought it was something kind of instructive for Colts fans in this game. So here's I, I took the opportunity yesterday to kind of check out Trevor Lawrence and and see how he's doing, what's his progress. And it's the first time I've seen him live, obviously, and I wasn't really impressed. Um, he had a, he's he's struggling right now. Um, however, I think 
they're not doing enough to help him. There's no question about it. He doesn't have nearly enough help. His receivers are terrible right now. They lost DJ Shark. That's hurt them. Uh, the, James Robinson has been in and out of the lineup, so that's a problem. But he's struggling. And and I think you're seeing a guy who who looks a little overwhelmed when I look at him right now. And what I, the reason I'm bringing this up is because when you talk about Carson Wentz and and going to get him in that trade. The other side of that coin was, okay, try to make something happen in the draft, some miracle, Hail Mary type of deal, right? And then what happens is you end up with a, a rookie quarterback who may or may not be ready to play. Now, I get that. Guys have to start somewhere. And Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be a good player. I think I have faith. He has talent. However, there's a lot of pain involved in that, man. <laughs> okay, a lot of pain. And, and I got to think, you know, Think about it. If the Colts had a rookie quarterback now, are you willing to go through that pain? I don't know as a fan. I, I don't know that answer, especially when you have an option like Carson Wentz, who, again, not a perfect option, but but someone who is a viable, potentially winning quarterback in this in the NFL and has done it. I, I mean, I just don't think there's any comparison between those two things. I don't know what Trevor Lawrence's upside is in the long term. He's Maybe he turns out to be better, or maybe he doesn't. But at yeah. least I know what I have in Carson Wentz. I don't know. Am I am I reaching here? Yeah, it took me back, you know, to watching a rookie quarterback. And the Colts really haven't had a rookie quarterback. Yeah. A normal one in a really long time. I mean, Andrew in 2012 was 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 mistake prone, yes, but he was so far ahead of where a rookie should be. So far ahead. And to re to relitigate the Carson Wentz trade, I mean I think it's a little bit different for the fans because the fans, they want the best case scenario, right? They mm. Like Ballard and Wright, they had to find a solution, period. Like they had to get a quarterback. They didn't have a starter ready. They decided that Eason wasn't the guy. Clearly, that was the right decision. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and Wentz was the best of a lot of mediocre options. Justin Fields was not an option at that point. They were picking 21st. They had no idea he would fall to, what did he fall to, 10th or 12th in the draft? Um, you can't bank on that. That's just bad. That's just bad management. So I think if 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 Wentz is going to be a B quarterback for you, I think you have to live with that. You have to live with some of the mistakes he made yesterday. We've seen him. Fans have gotten on him. That's the reality of it. But he made a hell of a throw at the end of the game to win an ugly game. I think you're going to have a little bit of both. I think that's the Carson Wentz experience. I think that's why a lot of people in Philadelphia were frustrated but I think it's going to be a progression, and, and it's hard to have patience. I understand that in this league because this team is ready to win now in a lot of ways with a lot of guys coming into their primes. But we overlooked this, and I overlooked this in the preseason. He didn't have a preseason. He didn't have a training camp, and that matters. Neither did the offensive line. They weren't all together until about week five or six or seven, and that matters in a huge way. I think the version of Carson Wentz that the Colts always envisioned will probably be on display next year if they can get another downfield threat to probably replace T.Y. Hilton. You can see it with Pittman. That trust is there. But I feel like we see, and this is a good transition, I guess, I feel like we kind of know what the Colts are right now. Ten games in, five wins, five losses. They haven't beaten a team above 500. They have not beaten a team that made the playoffs last year. And think about how different this season would be if they had finished off Baltimore and finished off Tennessee. They'd be right there in the AFC, right there for the one seed, which sounds crazy. And I know we could play the what if game for hours and we won't, um, but that's really what they are. And they can change that story starting Sunday in Buffalo. But 
I don't think it's going to change that much. And so much of that is related to Carson. But we'll see. It's a big moment for him. He hasn't really had a signature moment as the Colts quarterback yet. Um, he's going to have a couple chances against Tom Brady and the Bucks, and then the week before against you know the Bills, who knocked the Colts out last year with Philip Rivers. So that would change that. I just there's a lot to like, and I wrote about this yesterday. There's a lot to like, and I want to run down the list in a minute of all the. I watched the tape this morning of all the players that are really starting to play well, but there's a lot of hesitations I have about how this team is playing entering what could be the defining two weeks of their season. Yeah, no question about that. I mean, I think when I look at this team right now, I see a I see a good team. Let me rephrase that. I see a team that's very good at times and then very uninspiring at other times, right? Which which probably describes a lot of teams in the NFL right now, but but that's where they are and and I think their goals are higher than that. You know, their goals are to be very good like all the time or mostly very good. And that's not what they are right now. They're they're a little bit they're a little bit up and down. Uh, they are a team who's hard to predict at times. But I think you talked about we know what they are. I, I will, the one thing I will say is that we are starting to see an identity. I don't think I saw it as much yesterday, but but I think generally speaking, yesterday notwithstanding, what we see is a team that they certainly can run the ball and and play power football. But I, I don't think that's the identity necessarily. I think the identity is they're a big play offense. And they can do that. They, now, you're not going to do that a lot against a front like the Jacksonville Jaguars have. But generally, they're a big play offense. So that has been, I think, firmly established in yeah. the last three or four games. There's no question. Can that, can that steal you a couple games? I, I think it Absolutely. might have to. Absolutely. Uh, I think they're in a position where if they get into a shootout, I kind of like their chances. You know, I think they have a chance. I don't know. If, depending on the opponent, I, I think I like their chances. Uh, they can win those kinds of games because they can score. Uh, yesterday was tough. It was tough. Okay. they And that, that 23 points includes a defensive score, right? So uh, it's not like they lit up the scoreboard yesterday. But but again, Jacksonville, they kind of do that to you. And they, they ugly the game up. And, and that's the way they have to play because they can't score. They cannot score. So they just throw a lot of pressure at you and just try to overwhelm you and take you out of your game. And they were successful at that. But then they don't have enough firepower to beat you is the problem. But but anyhow, yesterday, as I said, notwithstanding. They, so they have that identity, big play offense. Defensively, that's where they need a little more of an identity. I, I mean, I think, I think we know defensively their, their identity right now is they take the ball away. And they did do that again yesterday. It's how they got off the field to end the game. And they did Dio. it again. They did Dio. it again. Yeah. That's, we might remember that play in a couple of years if he becomes a stud. Yeah. So I, I think we can at least see the path for this team. Okay. And whether those are sustainable, I don't know. But, you know, those are things that can win you games. So that's the recipe right now. And I, I don't love the defensive recipe because I think you got to get off the field in other ways. But, I mean, there is no better way to get off the field than taking the ball away. That I will say. So they and they got a lot of hands on the ball yesterday, even in the passing game. You know, they got. Right, l- let me make the case for the defense. And yeah. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if I believe it. But let me <laughs> talk try. yourself into it, Zach. All right. And if you guys don't agree with me out there, let me know. Quiddy Pay is playing football. Quiddy Pay has twenty-one quarterback pressures in the last five games. He hasn't always gotten home. He's gotten one sack yesterday. 
But compared to his first five games, he had one. I know he was out with a couple of weeks with that hamstring. And I talked to him a little bit last week, and he was like, I was like, how's the hamstring? He's like, dude, this fucking sucks. I'm tired of not playing. So I just <laughs> said the hell with it. And yep. so he's actually changed his stance before the snap. He's like lowering his butt, he said, because it's a little bit less painful. Hmm. So this guy, this guy wants to be on the field. And who had a big day yesterday, not just Quiddy Pay, on the defensive line? Hello, DeForest Buckner. And that's not a coincidence. Buckner was in there. And I asked Buck last week, like, dude, have you ever seen more double or triple teams in your career? And he said, without hesitation, he said, no way. That's because the Colts do not have an elite pass rusher on the edge. I'm not saying Pay is going to be elite this season. He might be down the line, but he's starting to figure it out. And he's starting to have another move to counter those pass sets. And he's starting to get to the quarterback. And that changes everything for this defense. Now, I'm not saying it's fixed, but if he keeps doing that, that's going to make life easier for Buckner and Grover in the middle, and that's going to give them a shot. I still don't love the secondary, but I do want to give a shout-out to Isaiah Rogers. Played pretty well yesterday. He hustles. And I posed this question on Twitter, and I think the answer was about 100%. Do they give Xavier Rhodes his, his job back when he's healthy? Do you put Isaiah back on the bench? I don't know how you can. Like, If this team's going to preach competition and production – I don't know how you bring Xavier Rhodes back. He has not had a good season. I know he's been hurt, but he's not getting it done. And I'm not saying Isaiah is a perfect answer, but the dude's making plays. He hustles. He has speed that can help overcome some of his, some of his mistakes. But I don't know how you put Xavier back on the field. That's my that's my thought. Now, I don't have an answer for you at safety. I do not have an answer. Kari Willis is out at least another game, maybe two, with that calf. He's on IR. That's concerning. But if you can get a little bit of pass rush from Dale, from Quiddy, from Buck, that makes all the other problems a little bit less severe. So that's my case for the defense. Where do you stand? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I think it's it's reasonable. I I think, okay, look at it's the It's glass Chiefs. half full. I yeah, get it. Yeah, that's okay. But I mean, look, here's a good example. I'll, I'll use another AFC example. Look at the Chiefs, okay? we were We've been laughing at their defense for like, Half the season, they've literally been a punchline. I think they've probably horrible. been like they a late terrible. night punchline. Okay, and little by little, they're starting to play better. I don't think you're going to necessarily say there's some vaunted defense, but I mean, watching them last night, I, I thought that was a very good performance last night, and uh, against a, a, a Raiders offense that has scored a lot of points this season, by the way. So it can. It can happen over the course of a season. You know, injuries are a factor. So now guys start coming back. You're seeing that with the Chiefs. They're getting a little healthier. Their best players on defense are playing better. And Kenny so, Moore is playing better for the Colts. That's on that topic. Exactly. So I'm not saying they're the exact same team, but I think there are some parallels. They're both teams can score points. Clearly, you're taking Mahomes over Carson Wentz. I'm not saying that there's some sort of parallel at quarterback. I'm not saying that. But I think just in terms of how they go about winning, right? They're they're both teams that rely heavily on their offense to score, to win games. Right. That's okay. That's all right. That's just how they're built right now. And then defensively, you know, they want to they want to make big plays and just kind of hang on for dear life. That's <laughs> kind of the goal. But if the Colts if the Colts offense can keep rolling and get some leads, then you can start to see the pass rush start to tee off. That's how this whole thing was built. That's yeah. what they're trying to copy from the Peyton Dwight Freeney years, all that. Maybe that's the recipe that it took him 10 weeks to find. But um, I think Quiddy Pay could be a difference maker down the stretch. Yeah, and, and I think 
that's what you want to see from a rookie pass rusher. You want to see them flash and you want to see those flashes often. I don't expect consistency. I don't think that's reasonable to expect from a rookie pass rusher. What you're going to get is is sort of uh, occasional flashes and you want them to be more and more frequent. And that's happening. I thought we saw some flashes early from Quiddy Pay, but they were like very occasional, very occasional. And and some of that was due to who he was playing against. He went up in the first two weeks of the season, he went up against Andrew Whitworth and Dwayne Brown at left tackle against the uh, Rams and Seahawks. And it's like, yeah, well, of course he didn't have a, you know any impact in those games. <laughs> two of the toughest matchups he's going to see all year. And so you're going to see that from time to time in the NFL. I mean, it's just like, it's like anything else out there, right? If you have a receiver who's going up against, you know, a, an all-pro corner, you don't expect him to have a big day. You're probably not going to want to start him in your on your fantasy team that day. It's no different for a rookie well, I mean, Jonathan rusher. Taylor, it took until week eight or nine last year for him to really figure it out. I mean, that's go. and that guy is literally one of the best, best players in football right now. So it, it takes a little while for all of these guys, especially at these key positions. I do think that... We're starting to see something from these two rookie pass rushers that I, I think there's there's some reason to feel optimism about what they can be. It's not going to happen yet, and and I don't expect it to happen yet. But I think what you want to see is is what we're seeing right now. They're impacting games. I mean, if you get that from your rookie pass rushers, I think that's a that's more than you should have even expected. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's basically on the job training. Nothing they did in college is really applicable. Okay, right. And this is, totally this is the this is the gamble you took, right? You you let Autry go, you let Houston go. Autry's having a monster season in Tennessee. They're eating two, but you bet big on these rookie pass rushers, and you knew they weren't going to light it up from the start. Not just because Deo was on the sideline, but very rarely do rookie pass rushers light it up from from game one. And it was going to take some time, and that's the long haul play the Colts are making. It's cost them. I think it's fair to say. It has cost them this season. They didn't have a great pass rush the first six or seven or eight or ten weeks, right? And they lost some games because of that, among other things. But we'll see. We'll see how the last seven go. Um, but I think you're right. I think the light is starting to come on for Pay. And you saw Deo. I mean, how did he make that play, this strip at the end? With those long-ass arms that he has. What does Ballard yeah. always look for? He looks for traits. And I was even talking to Deo yesterday after the game. This guy is not 100% yet. He is still working yeah. back. And the last thing to come is that explosion from that Achilles um, return. And we remember we saw that with Marlon. Marlon wasn't the same in training camp. And um, just keep an eye on Deo. He's not going to see a ton of snaps every week. But he has got that length and that disruption that you like to see. And as he starts to build that explosion, they're going to be a fun tandem to watch. But again, you're going to have to live with that because it's going to have to take some patience. Yeah, and I think... You know, listen, there's a lot of criticism about Matt Eberflus and, and and what he's done this year. And it's warranted, right? I mean, they've been giving up way too many completions this year. I mean, they're going to be on the high end anyway because they're a zone team. So you're going to give up a lot of completions. The, the question is, do you give up first downs? And they've given up a lot of first downs, right? So I don't get caught up in the numbers. But again, the, the criticism has been fair. Now, what I will say, though, is it is interesting when you start getting players back from injury and you start getting uh, players who are more experienced and playing better, now you have a bigger menu as a defensive coordinator. And I, I will tell you that 
Trevor Lawrence yesterday talked about how, man, you know, they used a lot of different pressures on me today. He was talking about some of the zone pressures they ran and they're they're switching things up a little bit. I think some of that might have been because they had the young quarterback. So they're trying to confuse him and he's more easily confused than maybe Josh Allen next week. You know, you're not going to go blitz crazy on Josh Allen because, you know, he's seen a thing or two. But I, I do think that also speaks to the fact that coaching is, you know, we talk a lot of, about Football not being about X's and O's, and you know, this is such a horrible cliche, and you're gonna you're gonna hate me, Zach. But, but <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, right. Like football is not about X's and O's. It's the Jimmy's and Joes. It's, that's a Venturi, isn't that a Venturi reference? Ooh, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I think he says that. He says that a lot. But anyway, it's it's cliche and it's corny. It's also true. <laughs> okay, um, it's less about the coverages and all that, and it's more about the playmaking. You know, don't get me wrong. The coaching matters. The scheme matters a lot. Okay, it does matter. But the best scheme doesn't work without plays. We're players. Frank says that all the time. It's it's a player's game. It It really is. So these guys are playing better. The results are better. Right. And, And I know, look, we can we can bitch and moan about the second half against the Jets. I don't love it either. It it's not it wasn't good. I don't think it was anything to I also don't think it was anything to like you know, have a, a heart attack over. I, I really think it was a couple of things. They were rotating some guys in and out. Uh, they were up big. I think they were playing really soft, and which is not necessarily the wrong strategy. I mean, you're not going to go play, you know, sort of really tight man-to-man coverage and, you know, put it all on the line when you're up four touchdowns. No, <laughs> you're like, let them have the 10 yard, let them have the, the seven yard completion, right? Let them make them go 80 yards. Well, they did and good for them. But I think in the grand scheme, they probably would have played that a lot differently if the score were, were much closer. So it is what it is. I don't think there's a big deal. I don't think that's a big deal. So we'll see. Uh, they're not going to have much bigger tests than they have the next two weeks. Um, we'll just have to see how they go. So let's talk about this, this AFC picture. You talked about the Titans being out there, and they are. They're eight and two. Uh, they're they're going to win this division. I'm going to say that now. They're going to win this division. I'm I'm all about bold predictions. <laughs> um, but then it's look the the Bills, Ravens. They're both six and three. The Chiefs are six and four. The Steelers, um, Steelers got the they're tie. Five, so five three, three and one. One because they right. couldn't beat the Lions. <laughs> But then, you know, you've got this this jumble of teams that have already had their bye weeks, you know, that are five and four and then Colts at five and five. So, I mean, uh, look, uh, they're by the numbers, they're 10th in the AFC right now. Seven teams will make the playoffs. But here's the thing. They're going to play a few of those teams in front of them. They're, they're going to play the Raiders. Uh, they're going to play the Patriots. Watch out for the Patriots, by the way. Uh, yeah. they're going to play the Bills. So we'll see. I mean, they have an opportunity to change that picture, and it's up to them. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What do you think the next two weeks look like? I'm not asking for a prediction, but I mean, I don't know. When you think about the next two games, uh, how how do you see the Colts matching up? Yeah, it's interesting because I go back to that Buffalo game. It was so different with Rivers at quarterback. How, how they hung in there with, with Josh Allen and the Bills in the playoffs, I thought was really impressive. Actually, they really should have won it, right? We've, yeah. we've talked a length about the, the, the fourth down call and the, and the red zone stuff, right? Buffalo's good. But I think if you're the Colts, and you know, I was texting some people last night, it's like, okay, they dug themselves a hole. They were bad early. The line was a mess. Carson was hurt. They climbed back to five and five. They're, they've won four or five. There's nothing easy about that. I don't care what your schedule looks like. They've given themselves a chance. And here's why I like their chances against Buffalo, not necessarily to pick them to win. But Jonathan Taylor is one of the best players in football right now, and he's had seven straight games with with a 30-yard touch or more. I mean, the home runs are just coming, right? Every time we watch him, it's like he could take one. He can change the game. And Pittman's become one of the most reliable third-down targets in the league. I mean, I think he was eighth in receiving heading into last night's game. Um, That guy's coming. So those two guys can change things. If you get the good version of Wentz, you can put some points on the board. And you might be able to hang with Buffalo – if it turns into a shootout. And what do you do on defense? If you can get to the pass rusher like you have been, you're going to have to turn the ball over. But I think Buffalo's beatable. The question is, are we going to get the Colts' best performance of the year, and can they finally finish? They haven't been able to finish. They know that. I was talking to you know, Zaire, Zaire Franklin yesterday, and he said, look, man, we're still not over that Tennessee loss. Like We're still not over that loss. We knew that was a big one. And I said, well, is Buffalo like the new big one? Does this feel like your season? He's like, man... It's just another game. We know we can play with good teams. They did it in Baltimore. They did it in Tennessee. They just haven't finished them. So that's that's the fun part. And then you got Tampa coming to Indy. I have a bad feeling that, that Brady's going to be able to pick apart that zone if he's got protection. He's just going to dice them up in the middle of the field. They've got elite weapons at wide receiver, even with Brown and Gronk out. They are leaky in the secondary, but they've got two of the best linebackers in football. That'll be fun. But I think it's fair to say you've got to split these two, right? You've got to split yeah. Buffalo and Tampa at the very least. If you don't, you might as well put the nail in the coffin because then you got Houston. That's a win. But then the Patriots are playing as well as anybody in the AFC outside of Tennessee. You go to Arizona on Christmas. But like you said, you've got New England. You've got Las Vegas. You've got Buffalo. That's three AFC playoff teams in that jumble. And if you can get hot, if you can beat two of those, then you're probably going to find your way into the in the wild card. We'll see. 
but they've given themselves a chance. So at least they've got something to play for over these last seven games. Yeah, I think looking at this Buffalo matchup, I actually think it's – I think this is the one of the of the next two. I think this is the one I, – I kind of agree with you. I think this is the one that they can take. Uh, not saying they will. I'm saying I, I think they match up, put it that way. Uh, look, I know what they're up against offensively. Uh, Josh Allen was hot yesterday. He hit some big throws, uh, lots of big plays. Uh, the Jets, though, defensively are absolutely terrible. <laughs> so, And you should know that if it's a Colts fan, right? So I, I don't know what to take away from that. I don't know if they're quote-unquote fixed Talking about the Bills, I don't know that that means they're fixed. Um, so I think they they have some vulnerability. I, I think their defense is good, not great. I think the Colts will be able to make some plays. Uh, I, I still trust the Colts' offensive line to generally protect well. Um, I think you you're Eric allowed Fisher's struggling. Though. Eric Fisher is struggling. You look, you can have a bad game. That does happen, and I don't mean him. I mean the the unit. Right? They they had a bad game. I would say, uh, you know. I think you have to be. You have to understand that's going to happen, and and I think that was their their game yesterday. That was certainly a bad game for the offensive line, uh, one that started so well. But look, I mean, I think that offensive line, if it holds up, I think I think that uh, Carson Wentz will make some plays. I mean, I, I think that we have seen. <clears throat> excuse me, we have seen that uh, from Bills opponents this year. There's there are opportunities to make plays. I think they will do that. Uh, the question is going to be, can they get enough of a pass rush? on Josh Allen uh, to not allow him to to stay back there and run around and find Stephon Diggs down the field because you know he will. And and that's the other thing with him. You you can't just rush him. You have to also contain him because the guy gets out of the pocket and he does just amazing things. So it's a double-edged sword playing against Josh Allen. And, and this team, you know, we saw Lamar Jackson hurt them in that respect. Now, Lamar Jackson clearly the superior athlete, but but Josh Allen is a is definitely a high end quarterback athlete. So they're gonna have to deal with that, and and they're gonna have to show a lot of discipline. The Colts also are are big uh, defensively. They really fall prey to misdirection. So you know the Bills are looking at that and and maybe incorporate some of that into into their attack and their game plan this week. So they got to be ready for a lot of things. I think the the Bills are a team that can throw a lot at them and use their speed against them, and then use their that quarterbacks, their quarterbacks' athletic ability uh, to to make things hard on the Colts. So uh, that, that's what we saw last year in the playoff game. I mean, yeah, uh, when they needed the a play. Thing. Yeah, when they needed a play, that's what they did. Uh, the Bucks, look, I think there are. They're a team that they're, they're not going to panic after yesterday's loss. You know that's not going to happen. Uh, Tom Brady, I think, runs that locker room. They're going to be even keeled. I don't know who they play off the top of my head next week, but um, I'm not worried about the Bucks <laughs> because they're a little bit about they're they're a little bit like uh, Shaquille O'Neal in his Lakers <laughs> days, right? Right. Like, ah, I'll be ready in the playoffs. Dog dog days of the season. <laughs> yeah. When is it December? When is it time to turn it on? Right. They're going to win the division, ho hum, and you know they're going to be in the playoffs and they'll be ready. Uh, so we'll see, uh, but but that but look, man, it's about opportunity, and and, and look, I'll, I'll leave you with this. I mean, Carson Wentz throughout all these games, each one of these is an opportunity for him. All right, I I think honestly, Carson Wentz, you know, still gets viewed as you know sort of a this joke, 
And it's kind of unfortunate, you know, and I just, I don't see that from this guy. And I know yesterday wasn't pretty, but like, you watch, if you've watched Carson Wentz through these 10 games, I don't know how you come away with a negative impression about how he's played this year. You can have that impression in spots. Right. But I mean, listen, if you're going to go play the best teams in the NFL, I want a playmaking quarterback. Well, they have that. So right. they have a chance. And the shame of it is, and you nailed it, is is on the highlight shows, they're going to show the dumb plays he made, the left-handed throw, and all that. And I'm not excusing those, because right. those are head-scratching. I mean, you should see our reactions in the press box. Like, what the hell is he doing? But then you got to show the throw to Pittman, the 27-yarder that essentially sealed the game. I mean, that's legit stuff that not a lot of guys in this league can do. The best of them can, the best 10 or 12. And Wentz can make those plays. Now, he makes the dumb ones, too. But he made the third down play, and that was a tough throw on the run towards the right sideline. Great footwork from Pittman as well. But that's sort of the Carson Wentz experience. There's there's the bad, there's the good. You need to see more of the good the next couple of weeks. And if they get it done Sunday in Buffalo, which is a big stretch, it would be the biggest win of the year, think about how much more amped up Lucas Oil would be for Tom Brady coming mm. to town. Remember, Robert Mathis goes in the ring of honor that day. I've heard a rumor that Adam Vinatieri will be on hand to uh, to bang the anvil. Mm. So you're going to have a pretty lively post-Thanksgiving atmosphere at Lucas Oil. If they're 6-5 and five and there's a lot on the line against the Bucks. look, you don't need to – I mean, they showed Tom Brady on the screen yesterday, and, and the boos were very resounding. So I, I still feel like this I was like so confused when that happened. <laughs> yeah, so Carson was naming his favorite quarterbacks ever, and, and I think it was Favre. And Brady and Manning, and um, the boos were were resounding. So <laughs> this is still an anti-Tom Brady town. No Never doubt, changing. Even though he's not playing for the Patriots, and and there would be, it would be pretty amped in that stadium on that Sunday. So the Colts might get a lift from that. In the next few weeks, they could, they could change the season. But to this point, they haven't done. They haven't beaten anybody good. They haven't finished those games out. That's their story. Are they going to change it? That's why I'm excited about the next two weeks. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I I say bring it on. I again show me. Show me Carson Wentz. Let's see. You know, I think this is this is why he's here. This is why he's here. Okay. To give you a chance in games like these. And I think they have a chance. There's no question. I they have a very good chance in either of these games. I don't know what'll happen, but I'm here for it. All right. I want to see the show. So let's see it. Uh all right. So that's the show. Uh Colts have a shot. They're in it. They're five and five. They're five hundred. So they're not a losing football team today. So congrats, <laughs> and we'll see whether that changes next week. Uh, Plus, Philip Rivers is on the Manning cast tonight. So um, a ah, double dose of good news. Did not know that. I will definitely be here for that. Oh, by the way, Hard Knocks this week. Check that out. Uh, they've been all over the building filming. We've seen them. Uh, we've been trying to stay off camera. Um, I don't know how successful. Don't be surprised if you hear your favorite podcast with a couple of snippets uh, in Hard Knocks. Yeah, spoiler alert. Just a little little Hard Knocks preview there for you. So anyway, check that out. Uh, we can sprinkle some of that into the, the podcast next week as well. I'm sure it'll be lots of interesting content there. So thanks for listening. Uh, lots of great content on The Athletic. If you're not subscribed, now's your chance. Uh, please go to theathletic.com. And if you are a subscriber, we so appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Keefer.